It's fair to say that a basic human right for anyone in this world is to live as well as possible for as long as possible. And for anyone at end of life or with a life-limiting illness, they should have access to qualitative palliative care and services available to them. But it's not always that easy. Patients and carers might not always know what qualitative palliative care is or how to access it or what to request exactly if you were ever in need of it. And this is potentially a challenge for anyone in this world, but what about for a person with an intellectual disability? How would they go about receiving quality palliative care services? What can we do within the healthcare system to make quality palliative care services more available for people with an intellectual disability? Well, with me today is Dr. Rachel Svejic from within the Department of Developmental Disability Neuropsychiatry at Uni New South Wales. And in this episode, we'll explore the challenges that people with an intellectual disability face, particularly when accessing healthcare and other services, how that relates specifically to palliative care, how equipped the healthcare workforce and system is to support it all, and the role that technology can play in improving those things. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Dr. Rachel Svejic. She's a registered psychologist and early career researcher with broad research interests, including neuropsychology and neuropsychiatry. Her clinical and research experience includes working with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, progressive neurological disorders, and mental illness. She's also my sister, so I don't know why after 240 episodes we've never had you on the show before, but it's great to have you here today, Rachel. Hey, how are you? Great, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, finally. It's great to have you on the show. But you're you're no stranger to Talking Health Tech, of course, appearing on one of our summits recently. Yes, thank you for having me there as well. Yeah, it's a good follow-on, I think, from that conversation, but we'll go into that a little bit more in a second. But for those that don't know you, tell us a bit more about your background and what you do. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Uh, So my background is as a psychologist. I used to work within private practice, but about 12 years ago, started working in research. And I've spent that time working within the Department of Developmental Disability Neuropsychiatry, also known as 3DN for short at UNSW Sydney. And as a department, we champion the rights of people with intellectual and developmental disability to the same level of health and mental health care as the rest of the population. We do a lot of research and educational activities which focus on improving health and mental health policy, improving clinical practice and supporting people with intellectual developmental disability, especially with a focus on mental health and well-being. Nice one. This is good that I've got you on the show because I can actually pay attention and learn what you do as well after, you know. We talk about things that aren't work normally, so it's, it's nice to focus on on these particular units and the work you do in this space. But then you were at the Talking Health Tech Summer Summit on a panel about the role of technology for people with a disability. What would you say are some of the key takeaways you took from that session? So that was a really great session and I'm so glad that you decided to hold it and it's a really important topic. So the main things that I took away from that were, of course, that people with disability are a diverse group with a really broad range of health and support needs. 
So, you know, a lot of my work focuses on people with intellectual disability, but also other types of disabilities. And of course, all these people will have different support and communication needs. The other really important thing that came out for me from that summit was the importance of co-design. And so involving people with disability from the very beginning in whatever developments or services or anything that's being developed to really make sure that anything that's being designed is designed with people who you hope to benefit from those things and to make sure that it's appropriate and meets their needs. Mm. And so before we dive into understanding the needs of people with an intellectual disability when it comes to palliative care services. Maybe you could help us define what palliative care services are. Absolutely. Uh, So palliative care is a person and family-centred care that's provided for a person who has a life-limiting condition that helps them to live their life as fully and comfortably as possible. So it's a holistic form of care that encompasses multiple domains. It could be a person's medical needs. It could be spiritual needs. It also encompasses that kind of, you know, post-bereavement support for a person's family and the people who've supported that person as well. Nice. And so tie this in. So when it comes to palliative care, in this chat, we're raising some more awareness around everyone's right to access high-quality palliative care And that's in alignment with National Palliative Care Week. Why why is this on your radar in the work that you do? Uh, So people with intellectual disability, generally they experience high rates of health and mental health problems higher than people without intellectual disability. But despite this increased need, they also experience substantial barriers to health and mental health services. And all of this culminates in really poor outcomes for people with intellectual disability. People with intellectual disability are more likely to die prematurely compared to the general population. And a greater proportion of deaths potentially preventable. So that's meaning that if appropriate healthcare was provided earlier on, then potentially that person's death could have been avoided. That said, People with intellectual disability are also an ageing population. Mm. Uh, So that means that their life expectancy is getting longer. And with an ageing population comes increasing rates of life-limiting conditions. So things like respiratory diseases, circulatory diseases and cancer, all of which are usually a focus within a palliative care setting or a person may benefit or would benefit from palliative care services to support them during that time of life, particularly when they're reaching end of life. Mm. So even though we know that people with intellectual disability are ageing, they're more likely to experience life-limiting conditions like cancer, respiratory conditions and circulatory disorders. Paradoxically, they're actually under-referred to palliative care services. So our department is undertaking a research project at the moment and we're collaborating with other academics and also clinicians with the aim of improving palliative care services for people with intellectual disability. And that project's been funded by the Australian Government Department of Health. Did you say that people with an intellectual disability are less referred for palliative care services? Yes, yes. So even though there's an increasing need, people with intellectual disability are less likely to be referred for and less likely to access or utilise palliative care services. So there are a number of barriers uh, Mm -hmm. for people with intellectual disability when it comes to accessing palliative care. 
So this could be, well, accessing palliative care, but also receiving high quality palliative care as well. So they could be issues related to communication and different communication needs. It could be related to the capacity of health and disability professionals to recognise and respond to the need for palliative care. There can also be challenges when trying to navigate different service systems and the sort of the collaboration that's needed between health and disability services, for example, particularly in the context of palliative care. And I would imagine too that for someone with an intellectual disability relying on, and you touched on professionals, which we want to get to in a second, but also family carers and those supporting the person with the intellectual disability, that can often be a determining factor as well in terms of the care they receive, because if the person that's providing care or is within their circle, if they're not familiar with the services that can be accessed, then that's not going to extend to the person. Yeah, that's right. So, of course, you know, we're talking about the person with intellectual disability, but that person has around them a whole group of people who need to be involved in this process. And so that's family members and carers. It could be disability support workers who are supporting the person, as well as any medical professionals who are working with the person with intellectual disability as well. Often families or, you know, it could be someone's parents could be needing to take on a role of navigating services that they may not be familiar with and services that are often quite difficult to navigate and are complex. You touched on a fair bit there about the professionals, the healthcare providers, the support workers who might be looking after a person with an intellectual disability. I imagine it's it's obviously a difficult landscape for them to manage as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's you know, a real need to consider the needs of the person and also the need to support the people around them. One really challenging thing that's come up in quite a bit of research is around communication, particularly around death and dying with people with intellectual disability. You know, one of the themes that comes up in research is that many people with intellectual disability are not involved in decisions about their own care. And that's a human rights issue. Everybody has the right to be involved and to be supported to be involved to make decisions about their own care. But also some people with intellectual disability are not even told that they have a life-limiting condition or that they are dying. The literature sort of says that that comes from a place of people feeling like they want to protect the person. Mm. They don't want to upset the person or make them feel frightened and scared. And I mean, it certainly is something that would be very individual and something to be worked out with each individual person about what information is shared and how that's delivered and making sure that that's delivered in a way that a person can understand. But even that kind of fundamental issue of providing information and communicating directly with a person with intellectual disability is something that people aren't supported to do very well at the moment. There are a lot of wonderful resources available of talking about end of life and talking about death and dying with people with intellectual disability. And I think really people need to be pointed to these types of resources so that they're supported to have these conversations with the people that they're caring for. And bringing it to the technology, it comes back to the technology with me, doesn't it? But thinking about technology and the role that that's got when it comes to palliative care, particularly for people with an intellectual disability. What are some of the areas that, you know, you coming from your area of, in research 
and understanding the space, do you see any opportunities for technology to help out in some of these problems? Absolutely. So one of the main things that jumps out at me is the potential for data. And so currently in Australia, there's no routinely collected or reported data that allows us to easily determine if and how people with intellectual disability are accessing palliative care, but also importantly, what the outcomes of that care were. So this is problematic because we need this type of information to be able to see you know, where issues are and how we can improve things. So one opportunity is in the linkage of data, of existing data sets, you know, some that might relate to disability or others that relate to palliative care, so that you're actually able to link information from those separate resources together to get a better understanding of how people with intellectual disability use palliative care services. And that's one of the things that our research project is currently doing. I think another opportunity relates to facilitating communication with people with intellectual disability and sort of, you know, developing options to support people to involve people with intellectual disability as much as possible in decisions relating to their care, you know, what they want to happen, decisions about where they'd like to die, the care they'd like to receive, any care that they wouldn't like to receive, or even things like communicating symptoms of pain for example, because pain management is obviously an important component of palliative care. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there for technology as well. And finally, also for education of health and disability professionals. Um, You know, health and disability professionals have both acknowledged this area in particular as one in which they are lacking training and support to deliver effective care. Other health specialty areas feel they lack confidence and training in the area of intellectual disability health. Disability workers similarly have reported a lack of training and support that they need to effectively support a person as they're ageing and particularly at the end of their life. There's a lack of training for them on how to recognise the need for palliative care, for example, or what to do and how to respond to changing medical needs. And I think as well the way I look at it too is that, you know, at an end-of-life scenario in palliative care, from a healthcare worker's perspective and from parents and carers, everyone involved, that's already a complex and a loaded area of care. But then you're adding in the extra complexities around intellectual disability, particularly if it's not something that's seen on a day-to-day, it's almost like taking a rather complex and difficult situation and timesing it by 100, you know. Um, If it's an area that people are already lacking confidence in or awareness or resources in, it, it only gets more difficult when... You've got any additional complexities like intellectual disability. And these are kind of some topics that we did cover at the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit recently too. And so it's interesting hearing some of those points that you raise when it comes to people with an intellectual disability. They did come up in the conversations generally about the role that technology can play in palliative care. So it's certainly heightened when it comes to people, anyone of need. And then lastly, Rachel, so in this conversation, we've covered a bit in relation to palliative care and the needs of people with an intellectual disability. For people listening who want to understand a bit more about either area or both of them combined, have you got any suggestions in terms of where people can learn more or get involved in these spaces? Certainly. Uh, So for our research efforts, if people are interested in those, our department website 
within the university is a good place to start. We include there a list of our projects, but, you know, more importantly, a list of resources for health professionals, disability professionals, carers and people with intellectual disability themselves. Currently, those don't relate to palliative care specifically. That's what we're working on as part of this project. But there's a lot of information there about other services, including mental health services. For Palliative Care Week and information about the events and how people can get involved, I think the best place to go would be the Palliative Care Australia website. That would be a really good place to start to see how you could get involved to best support people's right to the highest quality palliative care. Love it. Thank you, Rachel. Well, we'll put the details and an article off the back of this conversation in the show notes of this episode of the podcast and on our website for people to check out as well. Thanks for finally coming on the show and talking about what you do in this important space and we'll have to do something again soon. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.